Hope you guys are enjoying this series. We've been encouraging you guys to share your pictures as you see the theme in your own life throughout this past week. I, we noticed that the theme authority was got a little less traffic. Uh, uh, but we did have a couple people share their pictures, which was nice. Uh, thank you, Larry Bloomquist, the different pictures of authority. Yeah. So this is, uh, we're encouraged to just look at our life and the different ways in which we see these themes at play uh, in our life. Um, and for me, I, I posted uh, one of my first times I post on here, just when I was looking for authority in my own life, I thought about uh, Nina Gayhart. <laughs> She's the authority around here. So uh, this has been a fun series to do. This theme for this morning is this idea of rescue. For me, when I was preparing uh, for this, it made me think back to about a year ago when we were going through our narrative series. I got really interested in different types of story, different archetypes. There's about seven different archetypes which most stories kind of fall into those buckets. And for, uh, for me, one of the, the, the archetypes I got really interested with is there's a certain type of story that involves just this huge rescue mission where a hero comes in right at the right time and it, it rescues uh, right around that same time, I saw that uh, Disney went to Marvel and asked them to pay to purchase the rights to their stories. Just, the, just Disney went to Marvel and asked, how much would it cost for us to, to purchase the right to your stories? And they came down to the sum of $4 billion. <clears throat> That's b- b- billion, if you can't tell. <clears throat> and uh, they, they agreed on that. $4 billion for the rights to someone's story. Stories are not only powerful, they're lucrative. That's the equivalent of the nation of the Netherlands working for an entire year. For a whole year, the whole nation, they would produce around $4 billion. So imagine going to the nation of the Netherlands and saying, okay, work for a year, and that's about equivalent to a bunch of stories of men running around in tights, you know, about the same. But it's, it's natural that for us, we think about that, and then the next year, they released uh, The Avengers, which grossed around $1.5 billion right after that. And then it's, we as people, we're, just, we're drawn to stories of rescue. We're drawn to, we're just naturally just want to go and hear stories that when we look in this world, we see things are not the way they're supposed to be, that we long to hear a story of some way, somehow, someone saves us in the end. You could even look in our scripture and look through that lens and see that this whole story is a story of being rescued. That it's a perpetual story, the same theme, how God intervenes and saves and rescues over and over and over again. I mean, just for an example, look at this. So the Hebrew nation was enslaved in Egypt. So out of the love of God, God rescued them. And through the Passover, they left and God led this whole group of people to march into the direction of a sea, that's smart, so that God could rescue them again, so that God could send them into a desert, so God could rescue them to send them into a land that was occupied by giants. So you you, you see how it just goes on and on and on and on, building this just anticipation for us in our day that we also Look to Christ. In this culmination of being rescued, our scripture comes from John chapter 3, the first 18 verses. Listen now to the word of the Lord. 
Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing unless if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it is coming from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed the name of God's one and only Son. This is the word of the Lord. God, we do pray that you'd quicken our hearts, you'd awaken our imaginations to our life and to this gospel truth. Would you penetrate through our, our own clouded understanding? Would your words come alive to us, we pray. Amen. To understand this picture as we are looking at this picture in our text, to understand this picture more, we need to know who Nicodemus is. Uh, he's a Pharisee. He's a part of the Jewish ruling council. We also see in verse 10, he's called the teach, Israel's teacher. So very likely, to paint this picture in our minds, Nicodemus is probably old, wealthy. He's, a, he's powerful. He's the religious authority. He's the one people come to with their own questions. Perhaps in our modern day, he'd be the president of the seminary. He'd be the expert. In verse 2, we see this picture of him coming to Jesus at night. We don't know what compelled Nicodemus to come to Jesus. It could have been spiritual curiosity. Maybe he sincerely had questions. Or perhaps what happened was maybe he was going to do a kind of a backroom deal. Like I'm sure it happens in the cloak room right next to the Capitol, that little bar right there. Maybe, maybe if Jesus, you can do this as long as you don't say this, but no more. You don't know exactly what his purpose was. But very quickly, Jesus derails the conversation. Nicodemus comes in with this great entree. You know, you're a wise teacher. You're a miracle worker. And Jesus looks at him and says the thing that wasn't sure what to, what to say to. Very truly, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Have you ever started a conversation like that? And we just see here, it's, it's interesting for me. I look at Nicodemus. He went from talking to just listening. He starts off by saying 29 words, then 23 words, then four words, and then he just shuts up. He goes, All right, get out whatever you want to say, Jesus. I'm listening. As if he just needs to understand and hear this. 
for me, this word, you must be born again, jumps out to me. When I read through the gospel accounts, there's nowhere else in all the gospels where Jesus gives this commandment. This is the one time, this is the one person. So think about that. In all of Jesus' creativity and wisdom, he looks at this man, sees his heart, and knows exactly what he needs to hear. He must be born again. That's a weighted phrase for us, even in our culture, right? Being born again. I love it when it works like this, but even for me, on Thursday, I went shopping, and uh, I was given a gift card, so I went to go shopping. I hate shopping. It makes me feel vain, but I go do it because I feel bad about not using a gift card. So I go do it, and this guy that's helping me, he comes up to me and says, so, Mr. Mark, what do you do? And if you ever want to just end conversations with someone, typically just say, I'm a pastor, and that, that'll do it. Uh, and for him, I, you know, I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, interesting. He says, I'm a Muslim. I go, interesting. And, you know, we just end up having this great conversation. And he says, um, tell me about your church. And I go, well, it's this church right over here around the corner, and it's a Presbyterian church, yada, yada. And he asked me, literally he asked me, so is it one of those born-again churches? And I go, and I'm thinking to myself, it's probably not what you think that means, you're a born-again church, but I feel really bad saying no. So, I, yeah, I guess we're a born-again church, you know? Sure. And, you know, we, but even then I kind of unpack that, try to help them understand what that means. It comes across as weird. I think for a lot of people, being born again means you're a little bit removed from culture after some emotional experience. You have this awaken, awakening, and your worldview becomes rigid and fixed and incredibly moral, right? If that is the description, Nicodemus is already born again. I mean, he fits that description perfectly. And Jesus looks at that person and says, you need a transformation. You need to be born again. So for the world, or maybe even for us, how we see people who are born again, Jesus might even come to us and say, you, you need a transformation. You came to me thinking that you needed a teacher. But what you need is a savior. You need to start all over. Nicodemus' response, uh, how can this be? Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb. Since our series is all about pictures, I have a picture to help demonstrate this. A man being, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. You made you nervous. Made you nervous. Jesus goes into this really odd, odd pieces of text. Fairly <laughs> true, I tell you, no one can be uh, enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Something that's interesting for me, when I, I have a lot of grace towards Nicodemus because this idea of being born again, I researched it in the Old Testament. Do you know where it is in the Old Testament? Nowhere. <laughs> it's nowhere throughout the Old Testament, at least for me in my study. I, I can't find any place where there's this idea of being born again. Yet the closest thing to it is in Ezekiel when uh, through the prophet Ezekiel, God talks about this valley of dry bones and how one day these valley of dry bones will have a new life. Perhaps, maybe this is what Jesus is pointing to. Because listen to these words taken from Ezekiel chapter 36. This is just before those bones receive new life. 
For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle you with water and you will be clean. Jesus just got done saying, born of water. I will sprinkle with you water and you will be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take from you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be be careful to keep my laws. You see here that the closest depiction we have of being born again, Jesus is pulling out those imagery and words of being born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Who knows where the spirit goes? For me, what this is speaking to is he's trying to break through to Nicodemus' mind and heart that indeed the Old Testament's pointing to this need of being born again. He's speaking to Nicodemus in the way that Nicodemus understands. And you can't control it. Just like Nicodemus, you cannot control where the wind goes, so it is with the Spirit. You want to know how to be born again? It's not about all your morality and your religious duties. It's something that happens to you. Nicodemus continues, how can this be? Jesus pulls up another picture from the Old Testament. He brings up This bizarre passage from Numbers 21 where the people of Israel were grumbling against Moses. And so snakes came out and bit them and they started dying. So the people returned to Moses and said, uh, Moses, can you speak to God so that we might be cured? And God told Moses to craft a bronze serpent and put it on the top of a rod, lift it up, and when people see it, they will be healed. So Jesus uses that picture and goes to Moses and says, just as, just as Moses lifted up this bronze serpent and people looked at it and were healed, so it is with the Son of Man. The Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes will have eternal life. You see these pictures that Jesus is trying to break through to his mind, break through to his heart and say to this man, I love this picture that for this person who doesn't need a Savior, who doesn't think that he needs a Savior, Jesus says all your religious accumulation, all your position, your wealth, your morality, they can do nothing for your soul. You need to be rescued. You need a Savior. Nicodemus might have thought even in the best case that he would have come to Jesus and Jesus would have said, I've seen you made it this far. Maybe I'll take you a little bit further. But instead, what Jesus says is, you got to start all over. Like a little baby, you got to start all over, Nicodemus. I mean, it's almost, we feel like the same way. In many ways, we might come to Jesus to improve our spiritual life, but Jesus is not into that. Jesus is our life. For me, it reminds me of a picture of my own life. If I were to invite Jesus to come into my spiritual house, I might go, all right, Jesus, could we just expand a little bit, knock out a couple walls, do an add-on, mother-in-law suite in the back maybe. And Jesus comes in and looks around and says, you've got to take it all down. Every bit, every stud, you've got to take it all down because you're building this on the wrong foundation. You have a fundamental problem. You've got to be born again. This is why... The message of the gospel is good news for those people who are broken and in sin and their life is falling apart. This is, this is why the, that gospel message causes rejoicing 
in celebration for people who are far from God because they know they need a Savior. And that's why it's challenging for people who've done well with their life, who are generally very moral. This idea of being born again and starting over and having Jesus be your foundation all over again is challenging. But for me, when I think about my life, the problem, the tragedy, I would say, is not that it's challenging, but it's just become normal. It's kind of boring. It's sterile. And the reality is that you and I, we daily need a Savior. We need to be rescued day in and day out. To what degree does your needle move when you hear the basic truths that you are a sinner saved by grace? Does your heart begin to leap? Does your mind, is your mind full of gratitude? Thank you, Lord, for saving me once again. For me, I was going through a really difficult time in my spiritual walk a couple years ago, and I started reading through the Gospels again, and I was just looking at the Gospels and wondering, maybe I should just take Jesus' words a little bit more seriously. I came to a passage where it talked about Jesus, how he was hungry, and he was being fed, and he was naked and being clothed, and, and he was going through this list, and they went to, I, I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And in my life, right then, I was taking, because of my own spiritual dryness, I was taking Jesus' words a little more seriously. And I thought to myself, Maybe Jesus is telling me to, to find a way to go to prison in a way that I could leave quickly thereafter, but find a way to go to prison. So I, invited, I was invited by my friend a couple, maybe a year before, and I quickly told him no. And I went back to him and said, can I come with you to prison? And I went into the prison, and I, there was, I was in a room, maybe the, from, me to, from me to Kyle Bender, and then a little bit back that way. This was the size of the room 55 men lived in for six months, they probably spent 98% of their time in that room. The latrine was right here. The beds were right here. This, the classroom was right here. They were stuck in this room, and I went in there, and I was overwhelmed to the degree that there was rejoicing when they heard the Scriptures. When we sang hymns, that for me, I was singing words I had by memory. They were singing words from their soul. And I began to realize that They've been rescued. They've had a Savior. The reason why is because they've been caught. And for me, I need to realize that I need it just as badly. That I need a Savior. I need to be made whole. I need to be born again. And this is something that I know that we all need. It's by grace that Jesus said he had to be born again. And I think there's a reason why Jesus went to the woman at the well and said, I can offer you a wellspring that comes deep within your heart. But to this religious man, you need to be born again. I think for us as, as a people in this world, we would imagine Jesus telling the woman at the well that she needs to be born again. That she needed to hear the word of grace. That there's a wellspring that can be come up within you. Yet for this religious man, you need to start all over and build your life on the right foundation. For what does a child do? The child goes through a lot, but the burden actually is towards the mother, right? And Jesus, who carries our burden, who bears it, who nurtures us until through pain and suffering brings us into new life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him 
shall have new life. This light has come into this world not to expose it, not to shame it, but to show this world what it indeed is to show that there is salvation through the cross. We rarely have an opportunity to see people's trajectory of how they encountered Jesus and what happened in the end. Nicodemus is one of these few people. Where we see this picture of Jesus and Nicodemus and he just walks away. But I just wonder if Nicodemus returned to Christ, returned to this conversation over and over again until when he died. Nicodemus and Joseph, we find in John 19, were the, the two people that took care of Jesus' body. They prepared his body, put it in the tomb. Why would he do that? The same man that came at night, why would he do that? Perhaps when Nicodemus was in that crowd and saw Jesus crucified, and when the cross was raised up and Jesus' words came to life, just as Moses raised up the serpent and people who saw it were restored to life, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. There's probably two type of people in this room today. One, people whose lives are falling apart. And the idea of a rescuer and a savior is incredibly life-giving. It's a balm for your soul. It's something you need. And the other type of people are, are people who are wondering, why isn't your heart and your mind more resonating with this gospel today? Maybe through routine or rhythm, you need God to break through anew. The same thing is the calling for both of those people, and it's to simply look towards the cross. Set your gaze towards the cross, for it is in that place where our hope is, where our life is, and it's where we know we will be born again. Let us pray. We thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you are salvation, you are our life, that just as you knew Nicodemus and knew how to speak to him, that you know us. Pray, Father, that you'd speak to us and that we would be people who would respond to your message of grace today. Thank you, God, for being our Savior. Thank you for rescuing us. We pray this in your name. Would you please stand?